Okay, so here's my confession. I've been sleeping with my digital thermometer on my nightstand and taking my temperature like three or four times a day. I have no symptoms of being sick and no clear exposure, really very, very low risk that I would be ill. But I just keep checking in with my temperature just in case, as if that will somehow be this big reveal. And I, I'll confess it's a little bit neurotic and it's probably unnecessary. And I'm certainly developing this like really intimate relationship with my thermometer, which is a little bit awkward. But I do think that all of us are finding little ways to cope and to, in my case, literally take my temperature. But I psychologically kind of like the practice of the periodic check-in. It is a literal way to do a figurative self-assessment to say, huh, how am I feeling? What's going on? Am I running a little hot? Am I running a little cold? Am I needing to notice what kinds of symptoms might be percolating inside of me? And of course, the, the symptoms of... COVID-19 are well-known and easy to Google, but I think the symptoms that I'm more concerned with, at least within the context of this podcast, are the symptoms of internal unrest, of angst, of bubbling frustration, of decreased affect regulation, right? Decreased ability to calm down or regulate our own emotions, of maybe the threat of impending hopelessness or feeling helpless, feeling trapped, the mental health burden of this experience is pretty significant. Even for those of us who are already used to working from home, maybe even already used to doing some academic work with our kids at home. The mental load is huge, and I just don't think we can talk about it enough. There's also the reality that all of what's happening around us, the collective experience of anxiety lands on each of us. So even if your business is doing all right, even if your family is doing all right, you are inadvertently carrying the weight of everybody who lives around you. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So toilet paper, it's a thing. I've been chuckling about it a little bit. Uh, I know it's it's not a joke, especially for those of us who are really struggling to keep supplies up or access necessary supplies within our local communities. So I don't mean to make light of what is really a problematic situation. But from a psychological perspective, I've been chuckling a little bit because I have been thinking a lot about Freud and about these psychosexual stages of development. If you remember back to, uh, you know, Psych 101, you might remember terms like oral fixation. There's also an anal fixation in which people become stuck and 
overly focused on their own capacity to control the world around them. And in Freud's theory, this has a lot to do with the tasks of potty training and figuring out how to squeeze and release, not to get too graphic, at the appropriate time. When someone gets a little bit stuck in that phase of development and they struggle to master the task of squeezing and releasing at the appropriate time and potty training independently and effectively. You might hear your anal retentive. We say that in common speech and it, and it does relate back to Freud's theory. So the fact that as the world feels very, very out of control, one of the first priorities seems to be the acquisition of toilet paper is while I understand it practically, also a little bit funny in terms of the, the psychological implications of grasping for control over our own bodies and over our toileting practices is one of the most basic reactions to feeling out of control that we as humans can have. So by way of practical meditation, maybe we can all just take one moment and take a deep breath in and release the sphincter. Release that part of us that wants to just clasp for control no matter what. Release the part of us that wants to hoard the toilet paper and essentially regress to the uh, three-year-old phase where we're yelling at our mom, no, no, I don't want to use the potty. So coming back to this theme of the balance between holding on and letting go. So I'm watching lots of the entrepreneurs I know try to balance this challenge of holding tight versus letting go, right? The holding tight is making lots of plans, maybe um, doubling down on funnels, really getting out there with their marketing packages, being the first to hustle, the first to find the competitive edge, the first to try to find competitive strategies to get through this period of time. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no criticism there, but it's an observation of what happens within us when we're faced with threat. Is there an urge to hustle and move and go? Or we have the other end of the spectrum where there's the letting go, getting a little bit comfortable with what's unknown, getting a little bit more comfortable with limited power to make meaningful moves given very limited information. Maybe even relishing the requirement to stay home and, and do a little bit less. And just to put my cards on the table, I think most of us would do better to lean a little bit more into the letting go process to acknowledge that we can collect all the toilet paper that we want to in the world, but we still cannot control what is happening around us. We cannot fully control what's happening in the economy, what's happening in our business, what's happening even with people that we love. So when we are faced with a situation in which we have limited control and our impulse is to move, go, buy, hoard, I just want to declare that there's some permission to slack off. There's permission to do less. There's permission to not worry quite so much about how to best position yourself. The sense of urgency, the sense of neurotic or anxious planning, it's just not good for us over the long run. And it's really, really not good for our families because most of us who have children are now in close quarters with our kids much more than we were used to being in close quarters with them. All of that emotion that we are holding is now shared with every member of our family. Emotion is highly contagious. 
fear, grasping for control, anxiety, those things are highly, highly contagious. And so when we are in that space of clenching, that gets translated to our families, especially our young children, and they will mirror our emotional experience, but yet not have the language or the adult capacity to know how to cope with it. So the invitation to get a little bit more comfortable with letting go of control is not only for your benefit, your mental health benefit, but is for the benefit of your family and for all of those with whom you are quarantined. Perhaps like me, you may find yourself being like a little tiny bit neurotic, whether it's a thermometer or stashing the canned goods. And to some extent, I just want to normalize that that's okay. When we can choose very strategically small ways to exert control over our lives, we do feel a little bit better. So logistically, if that means finding a work project that you can effectively complete in a short amount of time or a puzzle or something that really helps you feel a sense of mastery and completion, that's a great way to kind of work through some of these feelings of, of being dysregulated. Hey, and if you need to take your temperature three or four times a day, like that's fine. Don't worry about that. Totally normal. But be aware of the frenetic energy within yourself. I, like other experts, can give you a list of tips and tactics and strategies. And those are helpful. And I've done them on previous podcasts and I can do them on future podcasts. But I want to be really clear that there is no way to hack around the difficulty of this. And there's no set of tips and tools and productivity strategies that's going to offset the fact that this is hard and it's scary and it's painful. So give yourself the space to feel into some of those things. Give yourself the space to grieve things that you are losing, that your children are losing, whether it's trips or school experiences. Give yourself the space to let go of the pressure to be a high performer in this moment. Ease up on the pressure to find the competitive advantage. I personally am really glad that I have work to do, that I have clients who are so far still able to pay me and with whom I have long and well-established relationships with. And it's bringing great joy and meaning to just continue to try to do excellent work for them, to be focused, to be present. And then there's the invitation to be more focused and more present with my children who are now all home. And that's enough in a day. It's enough for me. If you feel like you have big energy to burn and you're not as busy as you'd like to be in your business. You know, I, just a gentle encouragement to turn some of that big energy into ways to help your fellow human. A lot of businesses are struggling to try to figure out how to offer their services online, whether that's your local gym or your local yoga studio, your local restaurant that's never really done the takeout thing before. Therapists, physicians, chiropractors, lots of professionals that you know and maybe have relationships with are likely trying to, to figure out how to, how to pivot right now. So if you have skills to offer, it's a wonderful time to pour some of those out without strings attached, without your own scarcity mindset taking over. The other thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is... Um, the memory of playing peekaboo with my children when they were babies. This may seem like a non sequitur, but hang in there with me. 
So the reason that peekaboo is fun is because young children, as best we can guess, lack something we call object permanence, which is the ability to hold something in your mind when you can no longer see it. To a very young child, when your face is covered by the blanket, it really does sort of cease to exist because it's out of sight. But when you pull the blanket off and then suddenly it's there, wow, what a grand surprise. And I feel like all of us collectively in the world are are having our own little regression to pre-object permanence. We are suddenly thrust into a way of living in which we have much less three-dimensional contact with the outside world. And it's easy to sort of in some ways forget that all of that world out there is still real. So there's a little bit of a, a lack in object permanence, I think, in our collective zeitgeist. We're a little bit like those little babies we love so much, in some ways forgetting that things out of sight are still real, that they still exist. So as much as it's possible to balance fully, fully being in the moment in which we're in, regulating our emotions, sitting with our thoughts, focusing on what meaningful work we can do, letting go of the big things that we can't control, we counterbalance that with a sense of of object permanence, of holding on to the knowledge that everything that we've made and built collectively as humankind is still out there. And when we carefully look, we'll see that it's revealed. And I'm hopeful that there will be great joy at the end of this particular chapter of our human story as we re-recognize each other and remember what it feels like to be face-to-face and to have known in the back of our minds that everyone was there the whole time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.